Father, I thank you for Mike Lim. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for his heart, his giving heart, his graciousness, Lord, in the face of some really tough situations down there. And I pray, Father, that you would lead him today as he shares the word with us. Give him the word we, we need right now in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have in this country to open up the word and to be able to study your wondrous ways. Give us understanding today. Lord, fill me with your grace and power to transmit your word with faithfulness and integrity. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Thank you, Lord. It's just a privilege to be here this morning. We just pray for our blessing, God. You pour out your Spirit now upon the church in Tuxla. At this very moment, they are also meeting. So we pray for a great pouring out of your Spirit and the Word. Would The two would do powerful things in the service there in Tuxla. So we just pray for great blessing upon uh, Demetrio, our brother who's down there ministering. And minister with grace and great grace and there'd be joy and unity there so thank you lord for the partnership of these wonderful people who stood with us for years lord that they'd be blessed blessed back god in so many ways thank you lord for this wonderful day in jesus name amen amen good morning it's been it's a blessing to be here and also i don't know where the camera is but i think there's people looking online too so greetings to the people who are in the internet world too. Well, before I start preaching, I want to give thanks to this church and thanks to the individuals who've been praying and been giving into what we're doing in the name of the Lord and in His work. And every time I come back, I am always reminded freshly about you folks are just big people. And sometimes you don't know what you have because you're always in it because you always see it. But, for example, I was reminded as a, when I come back here and my conversation uh, with Gary, we're talking, and I'm saying, how's so-and-so, how's so-and-so, and how's that family? And he's telling me, and he says, oh, you know, recently so-and-so shared and someone preached and stuff like that. And I just reminded, and I said, and I said, you got all these people in your church. Like, it's not fair. <laughs> like, I'm struggling for one person who can preach when I go. And you're just like these football teams, these basketball teams where all their bench could be starters on other teams. Like, per capita, I don't know a church that is so loaded with people who are so capable in the Word. I'm serious. Like, I'm outstanding by the quality of people who have come down in outreach. Because I've translated for them. And I don't have to change their messages. And I, I've, had, I've had to do that. There's been some flaky people who come from Canada and the States, and I'm thinking, my gosh, where do these people get their doctrine from? And God knows my heart. I'm doing it to protect the flock. And they have no idea that I'm changing their message. Because I don't believe that in that hyper-positive confession, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that don't jive with it. I see so much in North America. And so I'm just switching stuff around, and they don't know <laughs> But God knows in my heart, I'm saying, Lord, I'm doing it because you, you said we should protect the people. <laughs> so, but I haven't to do that with anyone here. So I commend you guys. You folks are big people in the word, big people in character. 
as I get to know the people here and at the fellowship times, and many of you have me in your homes, and and you guys are you guys are really big people in your giving over the years. Um, just amazed. You got you folks are so generous, and I'm sure it's just not from myself, but the other works you guys support. You guys are so big in your serving. I picked up the bulletin the other day, and I said, I can't believe the church uh, here in Southgate of this size, like they're involved in so many ministries. <laughs> like it's just amazing. And you folks are big in serving, big in character. You have big people who are who are leading here. Well, I know it starts at the top with your pastor. I mean, ever since in the late 80s, when I had the privilege of walking and getting to know Pastor Gary, and he took me in, and I had the blessing of being mentored and being like a spiritual father and him encouraging all this time. When I was a student, I, mean, I remember the students were saying, he says, hey, have you got a Brother Osborne's class? Have you been there? Been in pastoral epistles? You know, that's what we'd all say to the new students coming in. Pastoral epistles, oh yeah, you gotta go. Like he was the gold standard at the school. Like I mean, everyone wanted to take his classes. So it's a real blessing to be part of your guys' Southgate family. And I feel so honored when I hear that term that you've adopted us as a sister church. So thank you so much. It's such a blessing. Let's open up our Bible to John chapter 6. And I'd like to use as our text this morning as a very familiar story, but as I was praying about what to share, this is what I just felt to share. In John chapter 6, verse 3, it says, And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there's much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. That's an incredible miracle, and I'm sure all of us know the story. And as I was reading it and meditating on it, I was thinking, today we are faced with great challenges in our lives. I know you folks as a nation, maybe you folks as individually. Like, can you imagine the size of the challenge that they had? Like 200 denarii and one denarii would be worth like more or less a day's wage. And I guess the disciples are crunching the numbers and they think, even if we had 200, like, I mean, maybe more than half a year's of wages wasn't going to cover this challenge. You have great challenges before you. The United States have great challenges. Mexico does. Canada does right now. 
when I was home in the summer because we, I couldn't minister in Mexico because of the pandemic. And we have great challenges, folks. But we have Jesus in these great challenges. Yes, yes. And not to forget that. Amen? Amen. We, we've got a mighty God who's with us in these great challenges. We have great challenges, but we have a great God. Yes. And just not to forget that. Let's go to verse 3, the beginning of the story, and it says that Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And I was thinking that before Jesus calls us to be soldiers, he calls us to be his sons and daughters. Not to forget that, that our doing should come out of just our being, being disciples and our being with him. Mark 3, 13 says he went up on the mountain and called to them who he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. But before they are sent out to preach, they were just to be with him. And we forget that sometimes that our first calling is just to be with Jesus. And we get stuck so much on the doing. And when sometimes he just wants us to be being. I just want you to be my children. I just want you to be like Mary. Came and sat at his feet and enjoyed his presence and worship and hearing his word. And, and we're seeing that that should be our priority, just to be with Jesus. Amen? And that's what God longs for. People who just long for him. When, I, when you read through Matthew 7, there, there's some verses that, that scare the bits out of me where he said there's people who are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Knew. Relationship. Depart from me. Yikes. So these people, obviously, the priority wasn't knowing Jesus. And they were doing things in the name of Jesus. Wow. Those are scary verses. And one of the safeguards that I think in our lives to say, Lord, I don't want to be one of those people is that my priority would be, I want to know you, Lord. I want to have that relationship with you as a priority. Even if I do or I don't cast out demons. Or if I do or don't see miracles. That, that's not a priority. My priority is knowing you. And that is eternal life. To know the only true God and the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And just to keep the first things, first things in our life. So I see that Jesus calls his disciples just to be with them. And let's look at verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming to, toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus lifts up his eyes. And we, we see the Son of God always, he, he's always giving to the people who's coming to him. And he's looking for a way to minister to the people. And in John 4.35, it says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. And sometimes we can get so enveloped in our personal stuff that we forget to lift up our eyes. Philippians says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Amen? And I'm guilty of it just like everyone else. We get so wrapped up and consumed in our problems and my hurts and I got offended and I, 
and I have this, and I'm lacking this, and whatever. And then if I get so wrapped up in my world like this, looking into me, I'm no longer lifting up my eyes to the others around me and to be sensitive to those. I, and I think that's just as human beings, it's a constant challenge. Do you find that a challenge? Because if I'm not lifting up my eyes, that means I'm not seeing the spiritual needs, the social needs, the friendship needs of the people around me. What are the people at work, family, church members? And because if I was looking down at my, my stuff, I'm not lifting up my eyes to people. So may the Lord help us where we're not only looking out for our interests, but the interests of others. Amen, church? And I'm amazed at what Jesus says in verse 5 here. And he, he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he was being sneaky. Because verse 6 says, he said this to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. And I think, why did he ask him that? He, he says, where are we going to buy bread? You know, where, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? You know, one of the things that came to me, Jesus wants to instill in us where we have, as his disciples, an attitude of how can we help these people? How can I help them? How can I serve them? How can I give? Uh, obviously, the Son of God didn't say, whoa, that's a lack of people. Let's get out of here so we can eat at the restaurant, just us guys. <laughs> and obviously, it wasn't like, wow, look at all these guys, 5,000. Hey, Lord, uh, you know what I'm going to do? You know, uh, um, I'm the Son of God. I'm going to we're gonna, I'm going to make, make a pure and instant taco stand, and we're just going to sell five cents for every taco, and we're going to all get richer, you know? No, I, I think he was trying to install in them, like, you're my disciples. I want you guys to think about helping these people, giving to them. So what about us? Letting God develop that within us. The people around me, the people that God lets me uh, I heard through the testimonies, the people that we just, in the crossroads of life, simple things at a restaurant, in our workplace, right? A neighbor. And just thinking, have the mentality. The Lord asked me, Michael, what, what can you do to help them in their need? And having that mentality. Whether it be encouragement, whether it be friendship, whether it be a prayer. Uh, the Bible says it's better to give than receive. Amen, church? And not always thinking like, what can I get out of this, but what can I give into this? Amen? Because sometimes we come to a situation or a friendship, we think, what, what's in this for me instead of what's in me for this? And having that, having that mentality. We have in our church, like a lot of churches, where we lack people who volunteer in different areas. And sometimes we have people and they come in and, they, and, and they're always griping. And they said, man, I walked in the bathroom and it's just... You can tell it really wasn't cleaned very well. And sometimes I feel like saying, well, you're right. Because uh, it's always the same people, always on the cleaning list. Um, do you think you could sign up to be part of the cleaning list? But you don't think like that. Because sometimes it's just like, well, I came here to be served at this church. But we need to imitate more the Son of God where we're not here to be served, we're here to serve. Amen. And I think that's why Jesus asked them. And Jesus wants to raise up more people who are, who are like in Romans 16 too, where Paul commends Phoebe and says she was a helper of many. That's a good recommendation, amen, from the apostle. She was a helper of many. 
So let's go to the verse 6. Verse 6, it says, Jesus, he knew, him, he knew himself what he knew he'd do. Folks, that's a comforting verse. God is sovereign, and he's in control. He's in control. Yes. Even when we, we don't see the answer, even when we don't, even within, look at this multitude, what are we going to do? God's in control. Even though you got a huge challenge, you got a huge crisis, you don't see the answer, God's in control. He still has plans that are good for his people. Do we believe that? You know, it's like King Jehoshaphat. He sees that huge multitude coming towards him. And he says, whoa, what are we going to do? How are we going to overtake all these armies that are coming? And he says, Lord. And he said in a very honest prayer in 2 Chronicles 20, 12, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Amen. That's a real honest prayer. Wow, I feel like that in Tufsla right now. Lord, I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And you, you, know, what you're, you know what you're about to do here in the church in Tuxla. And we have to have that attitude of just trusting in God, even if we don't see the solution coming. We have to trust that, that God's still got a plan. How many believe that God's still got a plan? You know, God saw the problem in Genesis 6 of the, of the wickedness of the human race, and it's just they're going over the cliff. God had a plan, the ark. The Israelites freaking out as Goliath is just intimidating them. And what are we going to do? When is this going to end? 40 days. Who's going to wipe this guy out? God had a plan, David. God's got a plan, folks. Lazarus' sister, Lord, why didn't you come earlier? He wouldn't have died. Jesus had a plan. He wanted to raise him up from the dead. Wow. God's in control. He's in control, folks. Amen. That's good. I hope that comforts your heart today. Amen. God's in control. God's in control in, in your situation, in your big challenge. Where you, like Philip must think, Lord, this is a whack of money. Like, no way. Even if we had 200, like more than half years of wages, we couldn't feed this. I know what I'm doing. Let's jump to verse 9. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Who was this lad? What was his name? We don't know. <laughs> you know, God can use just willing people. Nameless people. People that we don't even know who they are. But if they're just willing to give to Jesus what, who they are and what they have, and they can be used. I want to be a nameless person who God uses. Anyone else? And I see something about this young lad. He wasn't selfish. He didn't say, no way. Uh, I'm hungry like everyone else here. Uh, I'm keeping this to myself, thank you. But you know what? If he would have kept it for himself, he would have never seen what could have happened with what he gave to the Lord. So sometimes when... When we don't give our lives over to the Lord or what he's asking from our lives, we'll never see what it could have happened, what could have become of. We'll never realize our potential unless it's totally in Christ, given over to God. There's a Bible college fellow from Spain. We studied in the same year here down in CFNI. 
And he had such great potential, like huge potential. Everyone saw it in him. And we found out that when after graduation and years happened and we were asking around, hey, do you know about so-and-so? He went back to his life of drugs and, and stuff and he went off the rails. And we thought, what could have happened to him? And we'll never, potential will never be discovered unless it's in Christ. Who would have David been without God? Don't think he would have been this great composer of awesome worship songs that we sing nowadays or these great inspiring stories or, or, or the wonderful things that we extract from his life. Who would have Saul from Tarsus been without Jesus? He wouldn't be this powerful reference that in seminaries they still teach about his, his wondrous writings and how he influenced uh, his generation and having transcendence and writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Everything he became and everything he was was because of Jesus. Amen? Wow. Billy Graham. Who would have Billy Graham been without, without Christ? He even said in a testimony, he said, if God does not touch his lips, they're just, they just turn into clay. But the flip side of the coin is when you, you give everything to Jesus and you give your whole life to Jesus, God can do anything he wants with you. Amen? But another thing I see in this young lad, he was willing to share. He was willing to share to the project. Are we willing to share to God's projects? To run in our church. I saw the table out there. That's, so, that's excellent. I saw someone come in. He's putting in his cans there. And just even this as well. I don't have money to put 50 cans in. You don't have to put 50 cans in. All you got to do is just whatever you can do. And if everyone has the attitude of, I'm just going to do what I can do, it just adds up. Amen? Yeah. Just a little bit can make a big difference. And just having that heart where I'm willing to share. Like maybe that guy says, well, these little loaves and these little fish, that's not going to be a lot. But hey, if everyone pitches in like that, right? And little become lots in the hands of the Lord. Amen. It says, there's one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and you waters will also be watered himself. Just having that heart of this young lad. Well, we're just giving. We're just willing to give whatever we can do. I remember at Christ for the Nations, uh, one of the things that got driven into us in my three years there, they, they said, wherever you are, never let an offering plate pass by you without giving something in. And I remember as a student, five bucks was a lot to us. At least in, I don't know how the other students live, but just like, whoa, that 10 bucks was a lot. With all their student stuff and all the costs, and I didn't have a big church or all these rich family members of Canada helped me to go through Christ for the Nations, and that wasn't my world. And just having that driven in me and thinking, I just, I'm going to do something. Imagine if you had a church of 500 people, and all these, these 500 people thought, shoot, I only got a dollar, I only got $2. Well, that's not going to make a difference in helping church expenses, so I'm going to just keep it. Imagine if everyone thought like that. You'd be, you would have missed out on that $2,000 for what maybe the church could have used. 
for help the poor or pay light bills or whatever. One can can make a difference. Make a difference for someone. So don't think just because you can't give a lot, it won't help. We've got to have the attitude of this kid. I'm ready to give to the project. And knowing that little become much in the hands of God. Amen? Amen. Just little become much. When I was over in the Philippines, I met this unassuming uh, Philippine man, soft-spoken, and, and we we're eating with him. And he was the founder of 300 churches in the Philippines. And there's 7,100 islands. Just real simple and soft-spoken. And I learned the history of him. Uh, ben Montes. Wow. Just an apostle of God raised up there. Plant all these churches. Just one man who came to Christ. Believed God. Gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. Lord, I'm just one life. But one life in the hands of God. Just never know what can happen. Amen. Verse 10. It says that there was 5,000 men. So, I don't know how many ladies were there. Traditionally in churches, there's always more ladies than men, right? Throwing the kids there, 10,000 minimum. Maybe you could go stretch it, maybe to go uh, as, as far as 20. Uh, who was I talking the other day? They got five or six kids. All right, right, Timoteo. Now we're on our conversation. Can you imagine if these 5,000 men were like Timoteo here? That's, that's a lot of people there, right? I got a question for you when I was preparing for this. Do you think that miracle would have been great if there was 50 people there? I think so. Because if there's 5,000 hungry or 20,000 hungry or five hungry, you got to minister to someone. I remember at Christ for the Nations, I come from a small town in Canada. Everything's pretty small compared to Dallas. I come to Christ for the Nations. And I, boom. And like Reinhard Bonnke preaches. And we see in the magazine, and it's just like a sea of people. And they're pumping in us. You guys are going to be the Reinhard Bonkies, right? Wow. We are? And now I talk to my colleagues 30 years later, and I says, how's that Reinhard Bonnke goal going? A lot of my friends, including myself, some of them we just feel we're just barely hanging on. Really. Some of them are burnt out. Some of them are away from the faith. Some of them that are just, they just got this little bean patch, like one of David's mighty men. And he's just like still plugging away there. Hey, out of our the 800 grads, really, I don't know anyone who's right handed bonky in it. And I think we should just be content however God wants to use us. And if God's got a Reinhard Bonnke call for someone, go for it. Amen? Amen. I remember one time, one of my first mission trips, I was in the west coast of Mexico. And they said, we're going to go out to this little village. We're going to drive out there, and we want you to preach in an open air thing. I said, sure. And I said, is there any churches there? No churches here. We think they've never heard the gospel. I thought, I want to do that. That'd be such an honor. And I was just so thrilled to have the privilege to get up in this little plaza where there is no known Christian testimony, and I got to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, give an invitation for people to get reconciled to God through his son Jesus. You know what, folks? There wasn't a big crowd there. 
I don't know. Maybe there's 10, 15 people. But just to be content. Wherever God has us and whoever he lets us to reach out to. Amen? Amen. And just to be just like the guy in the parable of talents. I just got one talent, but I'm going to be a good steward of it. Amen? Or I don't got a big ministry, but God's given me one daughter. And I'm going to be the best mother for this daughter. I'm going to, you know, just to be big in the small things and faithful in all things. I want to be as prepared as anointed before one or a thousand. And one person matters to God. Jesus said, Jesus loved the one, Jesus loved the 99. Jesus loved the five or 15 or 20,000. But God also sent Elijah to one widow who was preparing to die. And that was just to see the thing to God. He sent a prophet to take care of her and to minister to her. I met a missionary in Canada, and he shares a story of he was in Africa, because he's, I, I don't know if he's still there, but he, he was in Africa, and I, he was ministering there, and one day he was asking the local people, and he, and he asked, and he could see a village, and I guess so far away and over the hills, and if I remember the story, it would take like a day or days to walk there. And he asked the people, I said, do you guys know if there's any church there or anyone's working there? And they said, we don't know. And he just felt something in him, this urging to go there. And he said, I'm going there. He comes to this village in Africa, and it's deserted. And he's walking around this village, and, hello, is anyone here? Is anyone here? And there's no one there. And he thought, I really missed it. That's a big way to miss it. You've got no car, no plane. You've got to walk all the way back. But then when he came to one of the last huts, there was one man there. And he was, he was elderly, and he was laying down. He was sick. And he was the only one that was left in this village, like this ghost town. And my Canadian friend, uh, well, I can't call him my friend. I really don't know him, uh, colleague. He, he shared the gospel with him. He said, sir, I'm from Canada. I, came, uh, I felt compelled to come here, and I guess I came here for you. Share Jesus. The man opened up his heart to the Savior. And this elderly man was so happy, and he said, son, can you come back and keep teaching about the things of God? And he said, you can count that. You can count on me. So he came back two or three, two or three weeks later, after a long trek back, then long trek, and he had died. But isn't that such a demonstration of the love of God, folks? Does one matter to God? Yes. And just not to be Reinhard Bonnke in life. Like, bless him, I mean, he's with Jesus. He did a great work. But also just to think, hey, if God has me where I'm just, you know, breaking bread to one or 10 or 100 or whatever, just, Lord, be glorified and Lord, be that vessel. Amen? And to be content in that. Verse 10, John 6, it says that Jesus said, make the people sit down. What? Do you think these people, these thousands of people, knew that they were going to partake in a heavenly picnic that day? When they woke up? When they saw the sun come up? I don't think so. There's just sometimes God just surprises us in life. And that was really generous of God. Don't you think? That was really nice of the Lord. There's times in life where God just does stuff just because he is good. Yes. 
And sometimes you think, well, why us? Like, what about the other people who partake to that crazy Jesus picnic? What about the other people who missed it? As word got out through the community. How come I wasn't invited? How come I wasn't there? He says, I don't know. I wasn't invited. I was just there. God did something. You know, folks, God is just good all the time. And there's this verse that says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. <laughs> he just does whatever. So there's times in life where he'll just surprise you. And there's times in life where you just say, I don't know why, but he's just blessing me like crazy. I don't know why. I don't think I really deserve it, but I don't know why. Can you imagine in Acts chapter 16, all of a sudden, Paul and Silas are praying and praising, and boom, the chains break, and the jail cells are open. You know what that story that, to me, is crazy? It wasn't just the jail cell of Paul and Silas. It says all of them. But those guys don't deserve it. They're in jail for a reason. They killed people. They're wicked. I don't know. <laughs> he just sits in heaven. He does what he pleases. I just know I'm here by grace and mercy. And that wonderful song that we sang, how wonderful, how marvelous is his love towards me. How great is our God, amen? And sometimes there's stuff he, we just don't figure out. We're trying to figure out why did that happen or how come that person got blessed and man, I've been part of this church for 13 years and I don't got a ministry and that person, they've just been, they've been here one year and eight months and why are they ministering? Why is that guy's business? He's just, he's, just got, he's just expanding and I've been doing that. I don't know. It's just, it's just that, that, that worker in Matthew 20, he says, I've been working here all day and that guy's just been working an hour and you're paying him the same. He says, what are you doing? He said, I'm the owner. I just do what I... Why are you getting angry? Just because I'm good? <laughs> God is just good. And sometimes he just blesses us and he does stuff that sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. We should rejoice with those who are rejoicing in God's goodness. And we should all just say, thank you, Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen, church? Amen. Not be upset when God just does stuff that is out of the ordinary and blesses people in crazy ways. Verse 11, it says, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise to the fish as much as they wanted. Jesus took what was given to him. Folks, let's... Be like those bread and fish as we're giving over to, as we give our lives and our resources to the Son of God. He can use what we give to Him. Amen? Yes. And not be like, oh Lord, I know I'm keeping my, myself and I'm keeping my time and my free and, and, and my money to myself. No, let's, let's give it all to the Lord and see what He can make out of it and live for Him. There's some people that are just like, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to get involved in serving. And my free time's my free time. And, you know, my money's my money. And Jesus used what was given to him. And he gave thanks. And the psalmist says in Psalm 75, we give thanks to you, O Lord. We give thanks. Let's be giving thanks to the Lord. Not just in Thanksgiving, but all the time says, be thankful. Amen? Yes. 
And there's another thing that I see in verse 13 as we're coming to the end here. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments. Jesus said, gather up the fragments that remain. You know what? I've never worked as a waiter. In Canada, I worked as a busboy where I had to just do the dishes. And I always wanted to be a waiter. I thought, oh, I want to be a waiter. That looks fun. And you guys get tips and we don't. But can you imagine the challenge of waiting on thousands of people? Wow. He says, gather them up, guys. There are some things that Jesus wants us to do in his work. Paul said we are co-laborers of God. We get that privilege. But there's just some stuff he wants us to do. Where it's just not, you guys are doing everything. If you look close at verse 11 again, it says that he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. So Jesus didn't just magically say, all right, everyone out there, you 10, 12, 15, 20,000 people, close your eyes. And when you open them, boom, there's going to be hot fish and bread right there with salsa if you're Mexican. Right? No. He wants to involve us in his work. Say that with me. He wants to involve me in his work. Because we're his hands and feet. It says in Mark 16, 20, Jesus was seated in heaven, but he sent his disciples out preaching, but he was with them accompanying with signs following. But it was a combination. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. The disciples going out, but he was with them, accompanying. And let's just get involved in his work then. And the Bible says that they ate as much as they wanted. Wow. And I was thinking, Ephesians 3.20, for God, our God who does beyond all we can ask or think. God has no limits. God didn't run out. God didn't say, I only got enough for 5,000 here. We got a great God, amen. amen. And verse 12 says that they were filled. Say that with me, folks. They were filled. Folks, we've got a God who fills his people. Amen. Psalm 36, 8 talks about a, God, a wonderful God who just fills us. It says, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. We got a God who fills his people. Amen? Amen. Psalm 65, 4. It says this. This wonderful verse says, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts, who shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Folks, our God is a God who is in all, and he fills all in all. He will fill his people and satisfy his people. Amen? Those who fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing, it says. So he says, pick up the pieces, guys. I've never waited on people. I think one time I was involved in a street outreach where we, we gave over, we did what you guys are doing, a Thanksgiving meal. And there was a whack of people, but it wasn't like, 5,000 people. But can you imagine the amount of work there was? We should not be afraid of getting involved and working hard for the Lord. How many people say amen to that? Amen. We work our butt off to make money. We work our butt off to do other things. 
Professional athletes, they train and they work crazy hard so they can get paid millions of bucks for big contracts. So why don't we work our butt off for, for the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's a good question. And thinking personally, how can I be involved more in the work of the Lord? You know, Paul talked about, says, the hardworking farmer will be the first to partake of the fruits. But it says in Timothy, the hardworking farmer. Then when Paul says that, when he says, I spent myself in 2 Corinthians 12, in the Greek it talks about like, a, like something that's literally like a tire getting worn out. And just saying, Lord, help me. We're going to be like in, in Revelations 2.19, where Jesus is commending a church and he says, your last works are more than the first. And seeing how we can just, Lord, how can I, I'm, I'm not just talking about giving financially here. I'm talking about my time, my energy, the using of my gifts, my resources too, and how I can be just doing more for the Lord. I don't think none of the disciples are saying, that's 15,000 people, I'm not going to go up there. I bet everyone pitched in, and I bet they worked hard on that field that day. You think of it, it's just the disciples, and they had to go out and scatter all the, get all the pieces. That was hard work, don't you think? Thousands of people. So let's not be afraid to get our hands dirty and work hard for the Lord. Whether it be a cleaning day that's coming up, or either, day, hey, Ron, I'm going to be with you in the outreach. Can I help you? Um, yeah, I can carve out two hours in my day and, and not be so protective on my free time and my leisure time, which can become idolatrous in some cases, and thinking, how can I do more for the Lord? And I'm ready to work. Lord, Plug me in. And like Bill Bilicek says, just do your job. I'm going to invite. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to give. I'm going to do something. And I want to be hardworking for the Lord. And to finish the message, folks, and just never forget who's with us. Jesus, Son of God, is with us. As long as he's with us, he can stop a storm. He can cause a whole bunch of nets to be full of fish. He can miraculously supply to the needs around us. So in our great challenges and trials, never forget who's with us. Amen? Amen. He's got a plan, even though if I don't know it. I remember, uh, I'll finish with this. We were preaching in Mazatlan, Sinaloa, and it was the first night of this crusade, 2004. And I guess the advertised evangelistic crusade and we saw the place just packed with people and people coming. And, and, I, and there was three of us, uh, myself and two other Canadians. Just like, oh, man, you know, I'm not T.L. Osborne. Uh, I don't got a lot of experience doing this. But, uh, and we were just outstanding night after night, how God touched lives, the healings that God did at those meetings. Never forget who's with us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these wonderful people at Southgate. Lord, what a great time we've had worshiping you. I so enjoyed that. Just reminded how great you are, how wonderful, how marvelous is the Savior's love for us. And thank you, Jesus, how to you, one person is important. That one widow who was, who was thinking of dying that day, she was important enough where you sent, you sent a prophet, you sent Elijah. And it was so important to you to take care of thousands of people who are hungry. Yeah. 
And we thank you, Lord, that you say that war, you take care of the birds of the field, birds of the air, and the lilies of the field, and you love us and you take care of us. Thank you, God. If you're here this morning and you're just saying, Lord, I want to be like that young lad. I want you to take everything I am, everything I have, and just use me, Lord. I might not be a lot, I might not have a lot, but I want to be used to be a blessing to people. And just stand up where you are as we just lift our lives up as, as an offering. And you folks who are on the internet, I challenge you if you're sitting down in your living room and we just lift our lives up as an offering. So Jesus, we come to you and Lord, God, break me and multiply whatever you can do. I don't, uh, I don't think I'm great. I don't think I can do a lot. But as we've seen in your word, something in your hands, something ordinary can do extraordinary. So take our lives, Jesus. Use us to make a difference in the people around us. And God, well, we'll be content whether it's one or a or hundred or whoever you use to touch, God. But just like Gary was sharing today, just maybe it's one waitress. Maybe it's uh, someone out there and they just need a word of encouragement or just like that West, that Canadian missionary, and maybe there's someone dying in a village and they need me to share. And that person needed you. So use our lives, God. Use our lives where we can be effective, where it can be used, where we can be a blessing. And we can be like that hardworking farmer. Help us, God, with the energy and the, and the time and the years that we have left. Lord, that we will be just going for it in the things of the Lord. We'll be like that hardworking farmer. Help us to be those people. Lord, and I pray for Southgate that, as it says in Revelations 2, 19, that you'll see upon their works Amen. that you'll say, wow, these last works that I'm seeing in 2020 and what's coming up, they're just increasing. So we pray that, God. Pray that upon these wonderful people. I thank you for them. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. thank you, Lord.